0: Well, good morning. We want to welcome you to Redeemer on this uh, kind of foggy morning uh, here. But we uh, recognize uh, the beauty of the Lord in whatever weather he provides to us. In Michigan, it can change in five minutes. So maybe it'll be sunny and blue skies before we're done with worship today. You never know. Well, if you are visiting with us, we uh, hope that you can uh, get connected with us in a few other ways. Uh, One of the ways we ask you to do that is to text the word WELCOME to that number that's on the screen. Uh, And if you prefer paper, there's a uh, Connect card in the uh, pocket in front of you. If you just fill that out, put it in the offering plate. It just helps us to know that you are with us. If you'd like to write down prayer requests, uh, we'd love to be able to pray for you and uh, whatever your needs might be. Uh, Right after our worship service, we have our kids' choir, and then we also have, right after that, our uh, adult Uh, choir rehearsal for our Christmas celebration and I would hope that you can uh, participate in that and uh, as we think about Christmas time we do have our giving tree in the foyer and I would love for you to be a part of uh, helping out some local families uh, during this Christmas season. Uh, The cards uh, are hanging on the tree and if you would bring those uh, wrapped presents back um, by next Sunday the 18th then we would uh, greatly appreciate uh, your help with that. Uh, On Sunday evening, next Sunday at the 18th, is our um, Christmas uh, praise service, a wonderful opportunity to invite friends, uh, co-workers, family members uh, to be with us. This is going to be our our main, um, our biggest uh, Christmas celebration with music and everything. We hope you can be a part of that. And right afterwards, we have our uh, evening food and fellowship, and uh, what um, you are to bring is uh, listed there in the bulletin, and hope you can be a part of that. And then also our Christmas Eve service is going to be at 5.30, and we hope you plan for that, Uh, maybe inviting people that may, in a normal basis, not be as open to an invitation to church, but for whatever reason, in God's providence, how Christmas uh, opens people up to that, if you would uh, invite them as well, we appreciate that. And then uh, also, uh, this is uh, Tracy Langerak's last week uh, working with us before she retires, and uh, so be in prayer for her. Uh, but also be in prayer for us as we are in the search for the next uh, office administrator. And uh, we just ask for you to be prayerfully thinking about um, how the Lord might lead someone to that role uh, sooner than later and uh, for help uh, during the transition. I'm sure we'll have to talk to you more about that and some of the changes that will occur in the interim. But uh, just appreciate your prayers for that. Our last announcement today is uh, Carrie Hill's going to come and give a report about what happened at our food pantry yesterday. Carrie, welcome.
1: Good morning. I was asked to give a quick update about the food pantry outreach yesterday. And first, let me say thank you. Um, This month, the pantry was filled to overflowing with your donations. We couldn't have ministered yesterday without you. Um, The outreach was a wonderful morning, sharing with 15 families from our community. Uh, We were so blessed to be able to provide all the fixings for a Christmas dinner, homemade Christmas cookies and goodies, eggs, milk, fresh produce, baking items, pantry staples, and of course, toilet paper. Um, this month you donated such wonderful variety and quantity of items that were so very much appreciated. It's always fun when a family finds an unusual family favorite and big smiles ensue. Sauerkraut, almonds, corned beef, Paw Patrol macaroni and cheese, licorice, pickles, American cheese. Um, all those things brought smiles and a point of engagement and encouragement uh, to the recipients. And um, food pantry is able to stand in the gap for these families and we're so thankful for your partnership in that. Um, More than half of the families that came openly shared prayer requests or um, updated us on things that we had been praying for with them and that was just such an encouragement to them and to us um, for them to be open and be um, desirous to see God work in their lives. And all that over a couple bags of groceries. So thank you. Um, Please continue to bring in your donations and to pray for the families of Food Pantry. And uh, if you would like to join us, it's the second Saturday of every month. And um, yesterday we had a couple of our young young kids help us, and that was such a joy um, just to watch them openly share God's love through um, outreach to the community. So thank you. Amen.
0: I hope your heart is encouraged this morning because we have a lot to celebrate about the birth of our great Savior. Hear the call to worship from Psalm 28 this morning. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. Let us respond as we sing joy to the world as we stand. We are here because of the wonder of your love. The fact that you would send your one and only son to live the perfect life that we have failed to live. To die the death that we deserve because of our sins, but then again to rise from the dead so that we might have the hope of eternal life by faith in Christ. What a glorious gift that you would give even of your one and only son. And We ask that as your spirit is at work, in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and in our families and throughout our church and this community, Lord, that you would demonstrate your work in us and through us and that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus as you impact the world with your gospel. We pray it for your glory's sake. Amen. seated. Well, as we think about that incredible love of our Heavenly Father, and we think about uh, the fact that we are called to love Him in the same sacrificial way, and yet we fall short of that. And so we need to come to Him uh, confessing our sins and and recognizing the opportunity that He uh, gives to us as the body of Christ to come together uh, to bring uh, our hearts to Him. And we have a responsive uh, confession uh, this morning from psalm 41 and uh, so let us pray together blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble the lord delivers him the lord protects him and keeps him alive he is called blessed in the land you do not give him up to the will of his enemies The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. And so we take this time now to have a uh, private time of personal confession as we come before our God in silent prayer. Father, we acknowledge our incredible need for your grace there are some things that we have done that are not uncommon for us we might find life feeling like a bit of a rut <clears throat> I keep confessing some of the same things And so we ask that your spirit would work in a very special way to help us recognize the destructive patterns in our lives, the the ways that we go about things that are self-centered, that exalt the flesh, that seek satisfaction in things other than you. But help us to recognize your sovereign care and your provision and your help and your protection, Lord, that there's nothing in this world that can threaten us that we need to fear because of the steadfast love that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. The Lord offers to us his assurance of pardon in uh, Psalm 106. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Well, that is a promise to rejoice in, and it is one that can encourage us as we confess our faith together. From 2 Timothy chapter 2, let us confess our faith. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Well, let us respond in song as we stand to sing, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing.
2: join me in a uh, prayer of thanksgiving dear lord as you say in psalms come and see what god has done his awesome deeds for mankind in this christmas season lord we think of you sending your son sending jesus what an awesome deed for mankind we would ask lord that we would respond in faith and belief. We have so many things to be thankful for, Lord. One of the little things this morning is we're thankful for heat in our sanctuary. And yet, Lord, we know there are many people throughout this world, your believers, your followers, who may not have heat, they may not have air conditioning. Many worship in places without walls, often without roofs. Many don't even have a place they can call their church. Many of them, Lord, are under persecution. And yet we know that you love them, that you care for them, and we'd ask, Lord, that in our ease we would still worship you and realize you are the giver of all things. We're thankful for a bountiful harvest again this year in our area and in our nation. We'd ask, Lord, that it would be used to feed ourselves, our families, but also feed our neighbors and actually, Lord, the entire world we're thankful this morning for all the people that participate throughout the week and also on a day like today many people who are behind the scenes to put this service together for the music the audio the visual the live streaming the messages we are just so thankful Lord for your servants and we'd ask that you'd continue to bless them as they bless us we're thankful for blessings on our families Lord we've heard so many stories of health and healing And Lord, even when prayers are not answered the way that we would like, we know that you are there. We may not understand it, but Lord, we know that you will make all things right. This morning we ask that you bless the offering as it's taken. We ask, Lord, that uh, it is just a small token of what you've given us. None of this is ours, it's yours, and we just give a small token of it back, Lord, but we are so grateful for how you have blessed us beyond measure. Be with Pastor Jeff this morning as he brings his message to us, your message to us. We'd ask that you would keep our hearts open, our ears attentive, and ask us, Lord, to see how, again, your word is so applicable and desirable and important for our lives. We'd ask that you'd bless us and the rest of the service. In Thy name we pray. Amen. The offering will be taken.
3: One of the joys we have on a Sunday morning is interceding for each other, and we're going to do that this morning. There are some folks who are mentioned in the bulletin, and you're encouraged to pray for them during the week. If you would like your name added, please contact the office, and we'll be happy to pray for you either individually, privately, if you prefer that, or if you'd like to be added to this list, we'll certainly do that. Would you join your heart with me in praying together? Father, we count it a great privilege to be together this morning in a place like this to worship You. And one of the most specific acts of worship that You talk about in Your Word is the act of prayer. In fact, one of our Reformation confessions says that prayer is the chief part of thankfulness that we offer to you, it is the main way that we show that we're genuinely thankful to you as God. And we've already thanked you in prayer, and we do that again. But prayer is also a time in which we can offer to you the desires of our heart. And you've promised to listen and to hear us. You've said even more than our earthly parents who long to give us what we need, you are a father in heaven who not only longs to give us what we need, you know exactly what is best for us. We confess sometimes as parents that we're frustrated in our inability to care for our children as well as we might want. But Father, you're never frustrated in your care for us. Your care is always perfect. It is always at the right time in just the right measure. There are times we don't see that. There are times where we are frustrated because we believe something beside what you have given would be better for us. But as we have already confessed and we confess again this morning... You, God, are greater than we are. Not only are you more powerful, not only do you have the right to bring into this universe whatever you desire, but we even confess this morning that you are more gracious and kind than we can even imagine. And we pray then in response. In fact, we pray for each other this morning that you would give us hearts of humility. The psalmist says that you raise those who are humble, and you bring down those who are proud. And we confess again this morning, and we pray for each other, that we would have hearts of humility during this time of year when we think together about the virtues that Jesus Christ possessed. We thank you especially for that gift of humility that Philippians talks about so clearly, that even though Jesus had the splendors of heaven at his disposal, even though the angels were worshiping him there perfectly, He willingly set aside that glory for a time to come to earth, to be born as a child in order to redeem those of us who belong to him. And Father, the book of Philippians in chapter 2 then says, as Christ humbled himself, so also we are to humble ourselves in the service of others. We confess there are many reasons why we would not humble ourselves. We think of ourselves as more able and more talented than we actually are. We are frustrated and therefore in our pride we lash out at others. Maybe we believe we deserve better than we have received and because of that we can be cutting and even angry with other people. Maybe our humility leads us to even despair, that what happens in life is not good. And Father, we pray that during this time of year that you would impress upon each one of us that need for humility, but even more than the need the joy of humility, that when we give up our pride, it is replaced with a dependence upon Jesus Christ. That humility is not weakness, instead is relying upon the strength of our savior to work in places we cannot and in ways that we would not. We pray that for the variety of things that are in our bulletin this morning, for those who are sick. We pray for those who have struggled a long time with illnesses. Maybe during this week there was a diagnosis that was very difficult Maybe one that will require surgery. Maybe during this week we have not recovered as well as we would desire. Maybe the illness that we're facing is most likely, almost certainly, not to be overcome while we live in this world. Maybe there are frustrations that we face. And, Father, in these times we pray that instead of anger, we would look to you for our help and our hope. We do rejoice with those who have heard answers to prayers. For those whose healing is in, is in fact taking place and they are recovering, we rejoice with them. We also rejoice with the many who are on our list expecting children in the next number of months. Lord, you've been very good to us as a congregation in blessing us not, not only with families and with singles, with those who are married, those who are not, but also with children and also those who are older and mature. We rejoice, Lord, that you've given us so good that you've blessed us with so much good. (coughs) (coughs) And we pray that as we come before you this morning, that we would not lose sight of that goodness. <clears throat> Instead, in every moment, at every phase of life, we would see that you are a God who's working out good and for a good purpose. <clears throat> Father, we would come to your word in a few minutes. We ask for your spirit to be here in this building. We enter it here by our own strength, by our own power. We realize that apart from you, the word says that we can do nothing. But when your spirit is here, when Jesus Christ is here by his spirit, then you can take dead, hard hearts and you can make them alive. You can refresh in us. You can give us hope. And so we pray then in these words from Luke chapter 1 that describe to us the mother of of our Savior Jesus and her response to the news that Jesus was coming, that you would give us the same hope that she possessed. Father, you are able to use my voice and my words in order to give hope to your people, and we pray that you would do exactly that. We also pray for each person who is here in this building and for those who are also joining us over our Internet stream, even for those who may be listening to this five and ten years from now. Lord, your spirit is not limited, your arm is not weak, it is not short. You're able to do even more than we ask or imagine, and we pray that you would. So Father, hear what we offer to you this morning, and by the power of your Spirit, bless it, for we come to you in the precious name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> this might be a great time to tell you that over the previous week I've struggled with a cold. <clears throat> That pause there was not an emotional pause. It was I literally could not speak. I trust that the Lord will give me a strong voice to preach this word to you this morning. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. If you've been here in previous weeks, you know that we've been preaching through the gospel of Luke in anticipation of the time that we as a church and as a culture celebrate Christmas. And tonight we come to these words, hear these words as they're given to us by the Spirit of God. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. These are God's words to us this morning. May he bless us as we hear them proclaimed. Sometimes some of the hardest things for us to see are the things that are right in front of us, the things that should be more, most obvious. I'm going to take a little risk this morning as I begin this sermon by asking you the following question, and I don't need to be trite in doing so. Perhaps you've heard about this particular riddle. I'm going to ask it to you, and I want you to follow along as I ask. Imagine that there is a tub in front of you, and with that tub there are three implements. There is a bucket, there was a ladle and there was a spoon. And I ask you to empty the tub. You might choose the bucket first, thinking that's the quickest way to empty the tub. Then you might think that when I get to the bottom, that bucket won't fit into the corners of the tub, so maybe I'll use the spoon. Or maybe you'll decide really the best way to empty that tub is by just using the ladle. It splits the difference. But what if I were to tell you that the best way to empty the tub is simply to pull the plug. Sometimes the most obvious things are the ones that we miss. In this this sermon this morning, I want to give you one of the obvious truths of the incarnation. It is a truth that becomes apparent in Mary traveling to see her relative Elizabeth And it is especially apparent in the words that Elizabeth speaks to Mary. And this obvious truth that I want to speak to this morning is summarized in this way. In fact, you'll be able to repeat it in your mind, and I'm hoping you'll repeat it not only this morning, but you'll repeat it in your mind as you're listening to me. You'll repeat it during the rest of today. You'll repeat it tomorrow. You'll repeat it during this entire holiday season. And if the Lord wills you repeat this for days and weeks and months and perhaps years to come, maybe it's the thing that you repeat to yourself in the very loneliest and difficult times, maybe even at the moment when you are moving from this world to the next. What is this thing that is this obvious truth, the thing that we can so easily miss in what I'm about to explain from Luke chapter 1? It's this. All that this passage is saying is simply that Mary is weak and that Jesus is strong. Or to put it in a slightly more tidy fashion, she is weak, but he is strong. She is weak, but he is strong. Now, in order for me to explain that to you, I want to focus on both parts of that little saying, she is weak and he is strong. First, by talking about she is weak. Now, in order to understand these verses from chapter 1, you have to understand what has come before. Mary, as you might remember, is a relatively young woman, probably a teenager. She has had the appearance of Gabriel to her... The angel that is named in the Old Testament as a messenger of God who comes to bring important, life-altering news has appeared to Mary and has told her that she will be the one through whom the hope of Israel and of all the world will arrive. You can imagine this startling response that she gives. She asks, how in the world is this possible? And in the previous section that we talked about last week, The answer is the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Almighty will overshadow you. And the one who is born of you is not merely a human being. This is your Savior. This is God himself. This is the Redeemer. Now, after hearing that news, what would you imagine that Mary would do? We know from other Gospels that Joseph also receives a visitation from an angel to explain to him that what is happening to Mary is not something that is illicit, that he should not put her away, but this child would be Jesus Christ. This is the promise, the promised one of the Old Testament, not to fear, not to grow anxious, but to instead go ahead and marry this woman, Mary. But in this passage, you'll notice that Luke does not record the angel coming. To Joseph instead he focuses on Mary and after Mary receives this news after the angel says to her the one that you will give birth to is the Messiah and this is possible only because of the power of the Spirit it says in verse 29 or 39 in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to see her relative Elizabeth Now, I want you to consider for just a moment something you may have missed in reading this story before. If Mary was in the Old Testament, if Mary was a young woman in the Old Testament who is found to be pregnant and she was not married, do you know what would have happened to Mary? The seventh commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. It's one of the ten words that God spoke to his, his people Israel from the mountain. He said, you shall not commit adultery. To commit adultery is contrary to my will. It breaks the sacred oath between a husband and wife. You shall not commit adultery. And so seriously was that treated in the Old Testament that if someone was found to have committed adultery, they could be killed. They could be Stoned. That Mary was carrying a child and was not married was a very difficult thing. Now by the time that we read this story, those Old Testament laws did not function in the same way, but you can imagine the way others in her community may have perceived her. Perhaps you can think of time in your own life, or maybe in the life of someone that you know, that they were expecting a child and they were not married I can remember early on in ministry meeting a couple who were in their 30s. And they were describing to me that they were going to celebrate their anniversary. And I asked how many. And then a little while later, they described to me the age of their son. And their son was older than the number of years they had been married. And I could tell immediately after disclosing that they felt embarrassed. This is not the way it's supposed to happen. Well, I'm certain that Mary also understood how this looked within her community. Maybe that's the obvious thing that we don't see as clearly when we read from Luke chapter 1. That this young woman who has received this great promise was a woman who was in a difficult circumstance is perhaps viewed by others before the law and also before her community. So that when this part of Luke chapter 1 begins, and she travels to see Elizabeth, there is a central question that needs to hang in the front of our minds. And that is, why is she going to visit Elizabeth? I'm going to list you three reasons why that would have seemed very unusual to the people of that day. The first and foremost was simply that she was pregnant. And in those days, women who were pregnant typically did not go traveling. They stayed in the place where they lived. It would have been very unusual for a woman in her condition to travel. Second, she traveled about 70 miles to the hill country around Jerusalem. This was not like walking down the street, making a left, and then visiting her close relative. This was a multi-day trip. She probably walked. And unlike today, where you can watch Kent County Sheriff's Department buzz by and you know you're pretty safe, she was open to harm making that 70-mile trip. And the third and perhaps most obvious thing that would have jumped out to people who watched her take this trip was that when a woman was engaged to be married, she would ordinarily stay at home preparing for the time when she would become married. And it was only after becoming married that she would then travel then with her husband's. And we see that happening, do we not, in Luke chapter 2? So let me ask you that question again. Why is it that Mary travels to see her relative Elizabeth? Why the travel? Why go? And the answer to that question, it seems to me, comes in what is highlighted for us in the previous sections of Luke chapter 1. And it's also highlighted for us at the end of our section, the one I just read in verse 45, where it says, "...and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord." The critical word in our section is the word believe. And it is built upon the promise that she heard from the angel that not only was she expecting, her Elizabeth, her relative, was expecting as well. You might call what she is doing a journey of faith. She is going to see if the promise that she heard from the angel about her cousin, her relative, the one who is also expecting, if that is really true. She wants to go and see for herself, to behold, or the words that the angel spoke, words that are true. She's going in order for her faith in the words of this angel, really in the words of God, to be confirmed. If you think perhaps I'm making too much out of that, I would simply point your attention to the previous part of Luke chapter 1, where after making this promise that the child that she would bear would be the son of David, Mary asked the angel the question, How will this be since I am a virgin? This would not be the first time that she asked a question of that sort. This would simply be a confirmation that the questions she was asking and the truth that God was speaking through the angels was actually true. If I can just put it this way, Mary in this story is not a character of extreme faith. As much as she might be lauded in certain parts of Christendom, as the one to whom we might go and appreciate because of her position as the mother of Jesus Christ, there is nothing in this story at this point that would tell us that is true. It is not Mary who is highlighted here. It is not her faith, her strength. It is not that she is one that we should emulate. It is rather Mary who wants to know are the words of this angel true? Can I believe that what is spoken is true? It is for that reason that I said to you this morning that if you want to understand this passage, you should ask the question, or rather think to yourself, this phrase, she is weak, but he is strong. Now, when you consider the passage from this perspective... What happens when she arrives at Elizabeth's home begins to take more color. You begin to see it more fully. And there are three things that happen when Mary arrives to see Elizabeth. The first thing that we discover happening, and it's repeated twice, is that the baby that Elizabeth is carrying, that is John the Baptist, as we will come to know him, leaps in Elizabeth's womb. There is a recognition, a supernatural recognition when the voice of Mary is heard by Elizabeth and this unborn child that there is something supernatural here in play. Now, I've never had the experience, as you might guess, of carrying a child. For those of you who have had, that have carried a child... You know, at a certain point, maybe even if I'm speaking, you might be carrying a child and that little boy or girl is kicking, or maybe the elbow is pushing out. Or I can remember when my wife was expecting, sometimes the baby having hiccups and being able to feel that. What's happening in this passage, Elizabeth recognizes, is more than the usual stretching of a child. This is something that can only happen, this recognition is more than just a child who is being in womb, stretching and, and growing and, and trying to figure out how to, how to move in womb. You no, know, what Elizabeth says is that this child recognizes the voice of Mary as the mother of our Lord. And he leaps in joy that the mother of our Lord has arrived. And that sets us up for two ways in which Elizabeth expresses the greatness of Jesus. There are two blessed statements. If Mary is weak and Jesus is strong... Not only does that strength come in the recognition of John the Baptist in womb that Jesus has arrived in his mother, but Elizabeth uses two blessing statements in order to emphasize that fact. Verse 42, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, if you read that in the original, you will recognize this is, as I've said, the first of two blessing statements. The other comes in verse 46 or 45. These two blessing statements are not the same blessings. In other words, it's not the same word being used. In this particular place, the blessing statement is a blessing that you might use, for example, when commending someone to say you are well-spoken of or you are praiseworthy. You have done well. It's after your child cleans the bathroom really, really well, including behind the toilets, that you might say you have done well. You are blessed. You are worthy of praise. (laughs) But in this case, it's not Mary for the sake of Mary who is being praised. No, she is being praised, Elizabeth says, because of the fruit of her womb. The importance of Mary is that she is carrying the child Jesus. God has chosen her to be the mother of the Messiah. That connection to being blessed and Jesus is emphasized by that phrase. To put it a different way, Mary is not well spoken of because there is something inherently better in her than other women. Instead, she is praiseworthy because of the child she is carrying. And for that reason, Elizabeth is honored that Mary has come to visit her. The emphasis is on Jesus himself. He is the one who causes his mother to be well-spoken of. He is the one for whom Elizabeth will say, Mary is blessed. The second blessing comes in verse 45. Here is the language of that other blessing. In verse 45 it says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Again, initially, it appears as though the blessing is given to Mary. Blessed is she who believes. But in the construction of this sentence, this generalized blessing statement, it's the same kind of statement we find, for example, in the Beatitudes in Matthew. Blessed is the one who believes because the fulfillment will come. This phrase has a blessing with the reason why the blessing will come. It is because the fulfillment will come. The reason that Mary will be blessed is because Jesus will arrive. And if you look back in this passage to verses 31 through 33, you read there about the one who is coming. It is Jesus. It is no one less than the fulfillment of the greatest king ever. The angel is said to Mary, greater than David, greater than any ruler, greater than any power, greater, 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 he says, is the one whom Mary will bear. And Elizabeth says now to Mary, blessed are you who believe because the king that you will bear will make your faith real. Real. The emphasis is not on Mary's faith, it is that she is believing in the one who makes that faith real. Again, you cannot help but be impressed with the centrality of Jesus, even in these blessings. In the leaping of John the Baptist, in the blessing of the first blessing, and now in the second blessing as well, what Luke is doing is contrasting this woman who seems the most unlikely of characters to be included in the coming of the greatest king the world has ever known, contrasting that to Jesus, this sovereign, this majestic one who will come in human form but eventually will rule the world. So that again I say to you this morning, the point that Luke is making is this one. She is weak, but he is strong. And if you will follow me, and believing that to be true from Luke chapter 1, then I have a number of questions I want to ask you this morning in your reflection. One of them Is a very personal one. Some of what I've said to you is meant to inform your mind. And that is to see in your own mind the difference between the mother of our Lord and Jesus. To contrast and to appreciate that our God was working through one who is weak in order to bring one who is strong. Really to characterize for you the nature of the kingdom that Christ was bringing. That the nature of this kingdom is that God will do great things through the most unexpected. In contrast to all the kingdoms of the world, where the power is given to those who are most outstanding, the most gifted, the ones that we would highlight and say, this person is the greatest. The nature of the kingdom of God is to flip that on its head. The kingdom doesn't come through Herod. It doesn't come through Pilate. He comes through a child who was born through what was likely a teenage mother. In order to emphasize that the power does not come from the way that we ordinarily perceive it, the power comes from God himself. It is for that reason that Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the gospel is a scandal to the Greeks. It is scandalous, he says, because the Greeks come asking for one who is powerful and great. Someone who appears to them like every other king and ruler would be. And Paul says, but here's the nature of the gospel. Not through what is great, not what through is powerful, not what impresses us externally, but through a humble child who works from the inside out, who transforms the human heart, who does not work to force, as every other religion would do, but works to transform, to bring a willing spirit, to turn us into a disciple, a follower of the King. I preached this sermon this morning from this passage for you to appreciate that truth. Because if we miss that truth, we miss the most obvious part of the incarnation the child born in bethlehem is born into weakness in order to display the power not that we would naturally be drawn to but to display the power of god himself the circumstances are weak but jesus is strong But there's another reason I'm preaching this passage to you this morning as well. It's not simply so that your your mind would appreciate the nature of the kingdom of God. It is even more that your heart would be transformed by the king of that kingdom. Because as much as we might confess to each other, and as much as we might tell ourselves in our own minds and our hearts that we're believers in Jesus Christ, one of the most critical ways to discern the depth of that faith is to ask yourself the question, would I willingly give myself to one like Jesus? Would I humble myself and see myself as weak in order for the power of Jesus Christ to be at work in me. I think I've told you this story before, but I can't help but say it again. A friend of mine was doing advanced study at Covenant Seminary, and he went to ask a professor who had written a number of homiletic books, how to preach sermons, about how much a pastor should disclose during a sermon. He called him on the phone. He said, here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, how much should you talk about weaknesses when you're preaching? The professor, the homiletic professor on the other end said, you have to be very careful about that. My friend said, why? He said, if you talk about people's weaknesses during sermons, they might be very hesitant to speak to you during the week. My friend said, no, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking about other people's weaknesses. I'm asking about my own. How much of my own weaknesses?" Should I disclose? And the homiletic professor said, be very careful about that because nobody wants to follow a loser. In many ways, Jesus Christ can be viewed by our culture not to be crass or derogatory of our Savior as a loser. He does not have an army that we can see at his disposal He does not have money upon money upon money as many world powers do. He is a child who is born in humble circumstances into a kingdom that eventually will rule over every kingdom. Daniel says that kingdom will become larger and larger and larger until it overcomes every kingdom. But the way in which that kingdom is viewed now The way that kingdom appears to many is small. It is building. It is growing. But it is a kingdom unlike any other kingdom. And because it is unlike, it calls you to follow in humility and not strength. Again, I ask this question to your heart as I ask it to my own. Are you willing to be weak in order for him to be strong? The apostle said in 2 Corinthians 5 that he would magnify his weakness, that the power of Christ would be seen through him. In fact, he goes further than that. He says, I will glory in my weakness because when I am weak, then he is strong. In a very simple way, in Luke chapter 1, verses 39-45, through 45, The gospel writer in a subtle but clear way gives us a picture of Mary as the one who is weak, and he does that this morning so that I can proclaim to you the simple truth that she is weak, I am weak, you are weak, but Jesus Christ is strong. That is your hope, my friend. That is my hope, and that is the hope of the world. Amen. Father, in whatever way your spirit chooses to work this morning, we are thankful. We're thankful for the way it may disquiet some of us because we come here with pride and we need to be shaken. We need to hear that pride is antithetical to the gospel. Others of us come here with wounded hearts, heavy hearts looking at ourselves as those who have never accomplished much, those who are frustrated, those who need a great deal of help. And this morning's sermon is meant to encourage those of us who are bowed down, those who are humble in our hearts and our minds and are looking for help. It is through this Jesus, this one who is great, that we can say, even though I am weak, even though Mary was weak, The power of the kingdom of Christ is not dependent on the strength of Mary or any one of us. It is dependent upon the almighty power of the divine authority of God himself. And so we can humble ourselves with absolute confidence, not worried about how others will perceive us, not trying to grab onto everything in this life with both hands, but to say in whatever way, Lord, you've equipped me to serve you in whatever way you've asked me to give myself for the sake of others, I do so without hesitation. Father, may that be the joy of our hearts, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together these words, What child is this? Thank you. After the service is finished, if you're interested in sticking around, um, there are refreshments back there for the Sunday school kids. There's Sunday school. There's also choir meeting in here. So if you're interested in discussing this morning's sermon, you can go all the way to the end of the the, uh, educational wing. There's a room at the end. I'll be in there, and you can ask or comment, and I'll be happy to discuss it with you. Receive God's blessing now as we leave worship with these words. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may you and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who called you is faithful, he will surely do it. Amen.